Daniel chapter 2, verse 27, it says, And the administrators and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men. These men were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whose bodies the fire had no power over. The hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of of fire was not on them. That is amazing to me. Because this supernatural story, we're seeing the ashes from fires hundreds of miles away. We're smelling the smoke and we're seeing the results of it. If you've seen that picture that's uh, going around of 30,000 feet in the air, you're seeing the billows of the clouds of, of what's happening because fires are in the region or in a certain area. These three boys are in the fire and they do not come out with even the stench of smoke upon them. That tells us that all people will go into the fire. And in the bill, in the fire, we have the ability to either get out of the fire or become fireproof because of who lives on the inside of us, the fourth man in the fire. Can we pray? Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. And we're trusting you, Lord, to strengthen your people today and heal and help in Jesus' name. And all God's men and women said, amen. You can be seated, turn to your neighbor and say, you've lost weight, I swear. And just go ahead and sit down. Make sure you give Ray and Stevie a handshake give, take, so they can go out to lunch. And uh, we are so thankful to God that God doesn't keep us in our mess. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. I know many of you are that God doesn't leave us in the fire and in the mess alone. How many of you know when we were down to nothing, that's when God gets up to something? It's really true. When we get into the fire of life, the fire of adversity, the fire of difficulty, the fire of disease, the fire of discouragement, of the fire of fear, the fire of worry, I want you to know that you don't go into that fire alone. God goes with you. This story is a sensational story because it's really given us a supernatural outlook of how great our God really is. These three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were devout Jewish boys. They had learned the Torah from their parents. The Bible says that they were raised in the things of God since birth. That's all Jewish boys and girls, especially in that time, were. And these boys were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. Babylon is modern-day Iraq, if you're understanding the culture and the significance of where it's at geographically. They're taken captive of Israel. Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not alone. Thousands upon thousands of Jewish men, women, and children were also taken captive to Babylon. I want you to see this scene unfold because Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man on the planet who who holds the powerfulest army, they're invading and taking territory. He erects this 90-foot-tall statue on the plains of Durham in Babylon. This 90-foot-tall statue is plated, the Bible says, with gold. And at the sound of the music, when the baton starts to wave and the music starts to play, This pagan king commands and demands that everybody bow before that golden statue. There are thousands of Jewish people there. There are thousands and thousands of Babylonians there. I want you to see the plains of Durham. It's the hot summer day. The golden statue is erected 90 feet high. The music begins to play, and it's like a sea of people bowing before this this pagan deity. But three stand. They notice, the governors, the officials, that these three boys, they refuse to bow. 
The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, he was furious and he commanded that those three boys be thrown into the fire and that it be turned up seven times hotter. Now, obviously, you don't have a gauge that says one, two, three. It just means it was extremely hot. As a matter of fact, it was so hot that the mighty men that threw them into the fire, they were burned alive. And the scriptures say something amazing happened. While they were in the fire, the smell of smoke wasn't even upon them, but even greater than that, they were loosed into the fire, their, their bounds were set free, and a fourth man appeared in the fire who was the Son of God. The nation was turned upside down and became one nation under God because of three these three boys standing in the midst of the fire. There's good news and bad news in the story. The bad news is everybody gets thrown at some point in life in the fire. But the good news is when you get thrown into the fire, God doesn't send someone, he shows up himself to deliver and prove himself to be a powerful God. Are you in the fire right now? I want you to know, though you're in the fire, you can come out on the other side fireproof. So often when we get into the fire of adversity, the fire of difficulty, the fire of discouragement, we pray, God, get us out of this fire. I don't like the heat. I don't like the disease that's in my body. I don't like the discouragement in my family. I don't like the waywardness of my children. And all of us have, have said those things when we're in the fire. But oftentimes, more than not, God doesn't necessarily get us out of the fire more than he makes us fireproof. And this story is living proof that a perfect environment will not guarantee a great life. Here we have this chaotic environment, a sea of paganism and all this crazy, chaotic, demonic stuff happening. But yet these three refused to, to kneel and bow, even though they were in a hostile environment. You hear people say, well, if I had a good environment and, I, and, and if I had a perfect environment, I would be greater and I'd have a better life. That's nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. Where were Adam and Eve where they ate that forbidden fruit? They were in paradise. Where was the apostle Paul? He was in prison. Out of prison came beauty. I want you to know there are two men behind bars. One sees mud, the other sees stars. It's determined on what you choose to look upon. You can be in an environment that's good, had a good good upbringing and be a deadbeat, or you can be raised in adversity, raised in abuse, but yet you see the stars of God. You see the good things of the Lord, and God says, I'm going to make you fireproof. You're going to come out on the other side greater, and the smell of smoke won't be upon you. Now think about that, because we're not told the names of the thousands upon thousands of Jewish refugees that were taken to Babylon. We're not told those cowards' names. Why? Because cowards are never remembered. Only the courageous are remembered. We only hear about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How about the 12 spies that were told to go scout the promised land, to go to the land of milk and honey? We're not told of the 10 name of the spies. We can't remember them if the Bible, if I told you their names, you would say, who are they? But we know Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they had courage in the day of struggle. They had courage, quicksilver in their veins, and they would not bow, and they would not let it go. They knew that God had something for them. So I tell you today, are you standing up or are you bowing? See, you got to get in your heart courage, and you got to get convictions. We call it core values. Core values are important because, you know what, styles change. I mean, things change in our life. You don't think you've changed? Go home and look in the old pictures of yourself. You've changed. I mean, and not many of you for the better. 
Oh, don't look at me in that tone of voice. But we've changed. I, recently, I haven't weighed myself in a year. And I recently weighed myself, and I realized, because I was wondering, what's happening? My, my, my suits are getting tighter. At first, you know, I was playing it off, and I'm like, I'm just getting buffer. And I'm like, then I realized, wait a second, I'm not on growth hormone or steroids or any type like that. that make. And when you get into your 40s, it's not like you're going to get buffer necessarily. So I realized I was getting buffer in all the wrong places. And then when I got on the scale, I was up 15 pounds than I'm usually at. And I'm like, no bueno. Ay, dos mios. Oh, my gosh, what happened to me? I used to be slim, trim, buffed, and cut. And Jennifer said, you know what's happened, don't you? And she poked at me and said, you need to go on a diet. And so she put me on this crazy diet. I'm talking about change. And, you know, I know how to work out. I know how to do this stuff. But, you know, she's saying, no, no, you got to eat better. You gotta. So she kept me on these macros, micros. And, and now I'm doing this thing and that thing. And recently I went out to lunch last week with a friend here in the church. And so I went out to lunch with him. And, and she goes, you can't eat there. I go, what do you mean I can't eat there? She says, that's not on your diet. She says, well, let me look up that restaurant. So she looked it up and goes, this is what you're going to eat. And I'm like, I can't even pronounce that. What is that? She goes, let me text it to you. And so literally, I'm sitting down eating with my friend. This is a grown man who's next, you know, with me in the table. And, and he orders, and, and the, waiters, uh, the waiter goes, well, what do you have on, sir? And I'm like, uh, whatever this is. And he goes, that's two different meals. Pick one. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Why has change come upon me? I thought I work out. I thought I'm strong. But things around us change. You know, values change. You know, if you, if you don't go on a diet, something begins to happen. The pants get lower, then you start sagging. Unintentionally, right? Or the pants, the, they get bigger and you go up. So I thought, you know what? Let me just grow up and go on a diet so I don't have to mess with my, my, the areas that need not to be messed with. See, some of you think, well, the change is difficult, but change happens to everybody whether we realize it or not. But there's something in you that shouldn't change, and it's called a value system, a core value system. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a core value. They knew that God could deliver, and even if God didn't deliver them and turned them into crispies, they knew they were not, they were not going to bow to those pagan gods. They were not going to bow to that golden idol. They knew that the God that they served was a God that could deliver. They had a core value, and they said, oh, king, we don't have to even explain ourselves. You know that old, uh, I love Lucy. Lucy, you got some explaining to do. No, no, no. We don't have any explaining to do. The God that we serve is able to deliver and everything's going to be all right. But you know what? Always a commitment will be tested by fire. Relationships will be tested by the fire of adversity, the fire of ridicule, the fire of remorse, the fire of bitterness or lies. And everything gets tested by fire. Do you know your commitment will be tested by fire? Your commitment to God. First off, it starts with your commitment with your loved ones. It gets tested by fire. It gets tested by first loyalty. Do you know you're not loyal until you had an opportunity to be disloyal? 
I can't tell you throughout the years of my closest friends where the opportunity came where be, because of their influence and stature and because of their success, the opportunity to be disloyal came over and over and over again. And I had to do what I'm asking you to do. I had to refuse to be disloyal to the people that I love. And I refused because I knew that I'm not loyal until I had an opportunity to be disloyal. And I settled it a core value long time ago. See, some of you got to settle that in your heart, that you're not going to be disloyal to your loved ones. You're not going to be disloyal to God and your church and the things of God. You're not going to be disloyal. You're going to have a core value, a system. Why? Because styles change. Remember, pants go low, they go high, or you go gordo. Things change. <laughs> oh, I'm a lot funnier than you're laughing, but it's true. But the core values of life, they never change. These three Hebrew boys, they had a core value. They said, we're not going to let this become our issue. It's God's fight. And even if we burn, we're still not going to bow. And they used the word, I talked about it last Sunday, but if not. They knew that the disappointment, if they didn't get out of the fire, should not lead them to disbelief. But so often we let our disappointments lead us to disbelief. And the reason is because we have no core values. We don't let the value, the core value, sink down deep inside of us where we say, you know what, that's a no travel zone. That's a no bueno zone. I'm not going to let this thing come inside my value system. See, some of you, you haven't established that core value. That's why you let things just come in. You let relationships come in that you shouldn't really be having. You let, you let people come in. You let circumstances come in because you haven't established the core value because you haven't got to the point that I talked about last Sunday, but if if not, but if not, if it doesn't go the way that I want, if my children don't go the way that I want, if the, if the diagnosis doesn't go the way that I'm believing for, I'm believing God for healing, I'm believing God, but if, it, but if it doesn't go the way that I want it to go, we have to have a but if not mentality. That's an answer that we give to the enemy that the enemy has no results to. As a matter of fact, it's like Job. Job lost everything. He lost his home. He lost his health. He lost his children. Do you know his wife told him to curse God and die? You know with a wife like that, you don't need enemies. As a matter of fact, you can always tell men your wife by her hands. You know how you do it? When they're around your neck. You got a problem. <laughs> I had a joke in the second, but they didn't laugh, so now you're not getting it, so nanny nanny boo boo. So anyway... I said it, it was hecka funny too, but you know, ask me later, give me an offering for Stevie's lunch and I'll hook you up with the joke. Now think about this because you have to have those issues, but if not, that's what Job had. Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And I often hear people say, well, God put the calamities on Job. I want you to know God put no sickness upon Job. Satan did. The Bible says Satan put the issues on Job and God began to bring a hedge around Job and restored back to him all that he'd lost. He gave him double for his trouble because Job had a core value. He said, but if not, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, that's what the three Hebrew boys said. They said, if God makes us a laughing stock before the world, we're still going to hold to our beliefs, our core. We will still believe, but if not, we're not going to let this thing get the best of us. Does that describe 
describe you? Or do you just run around saying, God, if you don't answer me by noon, I'm leaving. I'm living in bitterness. I'm leaving God. I'm leaving the church. That, 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 you little whiny, hiney, you. Grow up and put on the whole armor of God and fight power. Fight the principality. Fight the good fight of faith. God's with you and everything's going to be all right. I mean, I not, not say like Chuck D song, fight the power. No, I'm not talking about that. But there comes a time in all of us where we have to have that. I want you to think about this because there's a fire in our futures. All of us get under the fire. Not only the fire of life and the fire of adversity, but do you know there's another type of fire that we come under? It's the fire of God. It's the fire of God. When God puts us under the fire of his anointing, under his, the fire of his love, and it's like, the, it's like that Bible scripture that says that consuming fire, that he's an all-consuming fire. Do you know that there's a, there's, there is a fire in our future? I want to teach something this morning as we get ready to receive communion because communion's for every believer, but it's not for doubters. It's for believers. It's not for religious only, but it's for believers. And communion is important, but I, I was taking communion in the first and second service, and I was in the back there, and I really felt my heart. The Lord said, what, why are you having trouble with this? And I, and I realized it's not that I'm having trouble with the communion. The congregation is having trouble with receiving their healing. And it's an issue of a core value because they've been taught that religious elements have to have communion or denominationalism has to have communion. And you got to have it only in certain ways. But I want you to realize God establishes his covenant with a commitment. A commitment is a covenant, not dependent upon your faithfulness, but dependent upon his faithfulness. And the belief that you have in the Lord gives you eternal life. That's important to know because the Bible says, he that believes has life, and he that believeth not is dead already. So are you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he died on the cross, shed his blood for you, that three days later God raised him from the dead? If you are a believer in that, and if you have accepted his son, can I get a witness by a hand clap today? That means you're a believer, right? Right? So you believe that Jesus is Lord. You believe that God raised him from the dead. And you've accepted that substitutionary sacrifice. Do you know how you accept that? By believing. You accept this thing simply by believing. Not by works. Not by coming to the church and, and, and doing this or reciting that or doing that. You get that by believing. Why? It's the finished works of Calvary. It's what we call in theology, the finished works of God. You believe it because God accomplished on the cross what you and I could never accomplish. What do you think the law was given for? Have you ever heard about the Old Testament and the 600 plus laws that, that he had for the Jewish people? They couldn't obtain those laws. And the reason God put those laws into place to let you and I realize there was a need for a Savior, that we could never obtain righteousness through works. You and I could never obtain a right relationship with God because of what we do and what we don't do. But you know what religion does, what church uh, sometimes does? And it's mostly unintentional. It's mostly out of, out of a in this, uh, an insecurity or a, an uninformation because they don't understand the fullness of God and His Scripture. They begin to tell you things like, well, you just got to live right. You just got to live right, live right, live right, live right. How many of you have ever been told that by well-meaning people? Live right, live right, live right. Two of you. The rest of you, you little hellions, you. Live right, live right, live right. Now you come to God, you believe, now you got to live right. But before you can ever live right, you got to believe right. 
It's not about right living. It's about right believing. You have to believe who Jesus said he is. That's the belief. Once you have the belief, there's nothing you can do, do to obtain favor with God once you believe. You either get it by believing or you don't. That's as simple as that. Am I, am I, am I making sense today? So in other words, you, you establish your, your covenant not by your faithfulness, by simply believing. You establish it by believing in God. God establishes it by that by that 100% belief that you believe who Jesus said he is. But you can't work for it. But see, sometimes we think, man, i got to work. Just like I work at my, my job and I work with the kids and I, I work to understand that. And that can creep over into our relationships. But I don't have to work on a relationship with my, my earthly father. I knew my earthly father loved me or he doesn't love me. It was either or. I didn't have to work on that. I don't have to, my children don't have to work on if they think Joey loves them or not. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt that their daddy loves them. It's an established issue because I've raised them to know that they can believe in their earthly father. That's a simple fact that if I have raised my children to believe in their earthly father, can I raise them greater to believe in their heavenly father? See, I have to establish a belief system, core values in my family, in my kids, but you've got to establish it within yourself first by simply believing. Then you're not attaching this thing to, now i got to live right. Now i got to be holy. Now i got to stay away from this thing. Now i got to stay away from that thing. And now i got to tell people this and tell people they're dying in their sin. Do you know never does God want us to focus on the sin? He always wants us to focus on his grace. Why? Because the sin represents the law, what we could never obtain. But his grace focuses on him because the Bible says Jesus was full of what? Grace and truth. When you look at Jesus, what you see is grace and you see the truth of God. The truth of God, he's a God of power. He's a God of might. He's a God of majesty. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's also a God of justice. Worship team, would you please come? A God of justice. So he, he does something amazing, and I think I'm doing it the best in this third service because I really feel more anointed than you're letting on. But even in this service today, if you establish that you are a believer, then you have to realize that God is a God of judgment. He judges. You and I are not called to judge anybody. We're called to love everybody. We're not called to be a judge. God is the righteous judge. And once you realize that he's not a God of works because you're not saved by your works, you're not saved by what you do, what you wear, the color of your hair, what you, what you stay away from and what you embrace, you are saved by what you believe. The Bible says by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not by your works. So nobody can boast about it. What he's saying is nobody's going to have a Moses experience anymore. Nobody's going to be up on the mountain saying, I'm up here and you're down here. You're not as spiritual as I am. God says, that's nonsense. I've established that belief. You believe in me, we're all on equal playing fields. Once you do that, then the issue doesn't, doesn't matter anymore about works because you're not saved by works. Therefore, you can't obtain righteousness through works. You can't, you can't obtain righteousness through more prayer, less prayer. You obtain you obtain greater clarity, greater revelation, greater understanding by reading his word, studying his word, obeying his word. Those are benefits and attributes of, of getting closer to a relationship. Just like if you get closer to me, you'll realize anytime I go out to eat, I'm paying. You'll never pay for me. Be well, um, depends on where we're at. McDonald's, I'm buying. 
But if you get around me more, you realize this dude is awesome. He is an awesome fella. He's a little different. He's not very religious. He's real. Just keeping it real. Just keep it. But there's something that I've learned a long time ago that I'm not saved by my works. And I don't have to obtain to do something to please you so you think I'm awesome. I'm already awesome. Thank you, Debbie. But I don't have to work toward righteousness. All I have to do is be a person that's ready to be used. A vessel. If God says, if I can get a willing vessel, I can do magnificent things. And see, here's the issue that I think many people that love the Lord, they've established, we've got believers in this room, they miss it because they don't realize that it's not by your works. God's going to look at the works, but not in the way of your salvation. Your salvation is already established by you believing everybody's even. He doesn't want us under law. He wants us under grace. But listen to this Bible commentary out of the writing of the Apostle Paul. It says, for every man's work will be tried by fire in the day of God's judgment. What judgment is that? It's the judgment seat of God. It's where all believers go who have received the Lord Jesus. Every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. Every believer who has accepted the Lord, they come to this judgment seat of Christ. Not because their salvation is in jeopardy. It's now God saying, I want to see what motives were behind their hearts. I want to see what was really there. I want to see if those core values were really established. I want to see if the motives were right or if they just did it for vainglory to say, look what I've done instead of look what the Lord has done. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, I'm going to read this verbatim and it's on the screen. You can look at it for yourself. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, I, a wise master builder, have laid the foundation. This is the Apostle Paul talking. And another man builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, are they going to build on it? The scriptures say with wood, hay, and straw. Each one's works will become what? Clear. For the day will declare it because it was revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's works of what sort it is if anyone's works which was built on it endures he who receive a reward if anyone's works are burned up he will suffer loss but he himself will be what saved God's saying you're already saved this judgment is not upon your salvation you're already saved yet so through fire do you not know this is what Man, this is why God's got Jennifer and I and our children in Stockton, because this, we're here to shatter religious elements. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you? So it ain't about you on a mountaintop and we're beneath you because you've got revelation and you've got, we're all called to be prophets. We're all called to prophesy and courage. We're all called to share that love of Christ abroad that's been in our hearts. We're all called to do that. God says, your works will come under the fire of God. And if they're 
pure wood, hay, and stubble will reveal the motive of impurity and it'll be burned up. But if they're precious stones and they're pure like gold or silver, gold is refined by fire. Impurities come out the hotter the heat gets under gold. Impurities come out of silver the hotter you heat it. Precious stones are only revealed more beautiful when the fire of intensity is increased over them. I'm telling you that for a reason because we may not know what you're doing on this earth. But what you've done for the Lord, it's going to be so magnificent. God's going to say, those works were for my glory. Here's the crown. And when you get that crown, you're going to give it back to the Lord. And in Revelation 19, he's coming with crown upon crown upon crown. That's your crown. That's my crown. Laying it at the feet of the master. And we get to rejoice forevermore. Friends, this is something that is important. This is something that you have opportunity as a believer to present to God each and every day a core value. Say, so, you know what? I've got this, I've got this core value. I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to bend. See, God wants you to realize that you have authority and you have ability to receive everything he already accomplished, not by works. See, that mentality has got to leave the church so the church can really work for God. Because when we try to hold you by religion, then we got to call you, then I got to put Christian guilt on you. And I feel like it sometimes. Oh, I really do. I feel like calling some of you people that half come to church half the time and blowing your phone up. Say, people are going to hell, where are you? Wow, miss you on Sunday. Man, you haven't been here since April. Hmm. What I'm telling you is you got to establish that in your heart. You've got to establish your core values. I can't implement my prejudice on you and call it holiness. I can only give you what the Word says. And you can apply it to your life, or you can take it with your own imagination and your own understanding. And believe me, puff of smoke, baby. You think Cheech and Chong went up in smoke. Uh-uh, your works are going up in smoke. Oh, don't look at me like you watched that movie. It's going up in smoke. And some of you need to realize your healing, your freedom, your divine inheritance is not established by your works. It's already been established by you believing in the Son of God.